Amen. Good morning, Bryansburg. It is good to see you today, and I hope you've had a great week. And I know we've had a lot of folks that have had a, a lot going on this week with the start of school. And uh, we're glad to get our kids back into school and get them back on to the mission field and their teachers and staff. And uh, so glad to see everybody here this morning. And we recognize that we are here for one reason, and that is to worship our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we're so glad to be able to join together for that one purpose. This morning we want to welcome those of you who are joining us through television or through Facebook Live. So glad that you've joined us today. I am Brother Brad Walker. I'm the pastor here at Bryansford Baptist Church. And for those of you on Facebook Live, there in the comments section, we'd love to know you're with us. So if you just put your name there so that we can know you're joining us today. And uh, as well as any prayer requests that you might have, any needs you might have, reach out to us. And we've got folks that are monitoring that this morning. They'd love to be able to interact with you in that way today. For those of you, this may be your first opportunity to be with us here at Brinesburg. We want to welcome you as well. And you'll notice there in your pew, there's a card in the, in the pew in front of you. If you'll fill that out, and then at the end of the service, there is an uh, offering plate there on the big table in the foyer. If you put that in there, it helps us to know of your attendance. But more important to us, how we can minister to you and pray for you. And so glad that you are here with us today. Uh, several things going on. Hope you have looked at your bulletin and seen those things that pertain to you. One of those things that I am very excited about is Friday Night Light, our activities are back this year. It's been about a two-year hiatus because of uh, all the rules that were in place through the school system, and they couldn't let us on the school campus to do some of those normal things. Uh, but finally, we're able to go back and to be a part of our Acts 1-8 strategy of ministering to our Jerusalem, uh, to be able to reach out to our community on Friday nights at the football field. Uh, no better way to do that uh, than uh, through Friday Night Light. And so uh, looking forward to that. It's going to be the tailgate will be on the 19th. And uh, again, this year, if you'd like to sign up and help in a variety of different ways, the sign-up sheet is in the foyer, and there are a ton of ways that you can help before, during, and after uh, to make that ministry a success, and we thank you for that. And then also, again, this year, we'll be feeding the football team, uh, us and our sister churches, and so our night to do that is going to be August the 26th, and so especially if you are able to get off about that time in the afternoon at 3 and be over there to help us to serve the team, we appreciate that. And that'll be coming up again on the 26th. Um, also notice the, the Team Kid cook, cook, uh, kickoff coming up. Uh, worship choir starting back tonight. Uh, Going to begin the, the fall season here. And so uh, looking forward to that this evening at 4.30. Also, you'll notice the deacon nominations. Those four men be in prayer for them. Uh, next Sunday night, you'll be voting and, and uh, selecting two of those men to serve a four-year term. Uh, the Equip Conference, if, again, you're a teacher, a leader, if there's just an area of ministry you'd like to get some more training in, uh, that is coming up. All we need for you to do is to sign up. Let us know if you're wanting to go to the training or the meal and the training. That's fine. We're going to pay for all of that. Just need to know how many to plan for. And that will be at Paducah First Baptist Church on August the 23rd. It is always excellent training. You will be blessed by it, and I hope that you will uh, sign up to be a part of that. Even maybe if you're just thinking about being a teacher at some point. It's a good place for you to find out what that's all about and to, and to, um, and to receive some great training on that evening. Um, the reason we're beginning to collect some stuff for Harvest Festival is uh, some sort shortages that we've heard a little bit about on the, on the side of candy. And so we're wanting to make sure that we don't get in a place where that, that's hard to find and it's really expensive for you to get. And so if you're just thinking about that, you can select some of that, grab that, and put it in the basket. And uh, we'll have plenty by the time that we get to that, that uh, time in October. So you see those things that pertain to you and your family, and I hope that you have uh, read, read your bulletin today that those things pertain to you. 
uh, prayer list today, again, a long list, and we certainly do want to remember all of these who have physical needs and pray the Lord might touch their, their bodies and heal them in a physical way. Uh, but most importantly this morning, we want to pray for those who still don't know Christ, who still don't have that personal relationship with Him. And I hope you're continuing to pray for your one, looking for opportunities to have those gospel conversations. And as we uh, look for those opportunities, the Lord will grant them if we'll just uh, have our eyes and ears open uh, to those times. And so let's look for those opportunities, even this week, at work, at school, in our neighborhood, with our families, uh, to share Jesus with someone this week. And so let's, let's pray for those opportunities again today. Let's pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you once again for the opportunity to join together and to worship, to lift up our voices, to lift up our hearts in praise. Lord, to spend time in prayer and to know that not only do you hear us, but Lord, you respond to us. You meet us at the point of our need. Lord, that you're going to speak to us this morning through your word, and I thank you for that. And today, as we have mentioned many names, I'm sure, in Sunday school classes, and those names that are printed, and those names that maybe we didn't mention, maybe it's so personal of an issue that we didn't lift it up vocally, but Lord, you know what it is. And we lift up all of those needs to you and recognize that you can meet each and every one. But the greatest of those needs are for the lost. And some of the, those folks are our friends, and they're here with us this morning. Some of them are watching on television or on Facebook Live. And to be honest with themselves, they have to admit that they don't yet have that relationship with you. Some of those are young people. Some of those are middle-aged people. Some of those are senior adults. But, Lord, they know they're lost, and they know they need a relationship with you. And so, Lord, today I pray that this may be a day of salvation. This might be a day of, of them moving from spiritual death to spiritual life. But for those of us who do have that relationship with you, I pray that you would give us a burden upon our hearts to have those conversations even this week, to, to share with a loved one, to share with, with a coworker or a classmate, to let them know what you've done in our lives and that you desire to do it in theirs as well. Lord, this time is yours. Lord, we've come for one purpose, and that is to lift up your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
found this B-list song off his first album. It's kind of kind of reminds me of Give Me Jesus a little bit. And uh, so we're going to introduce that to the church this morning. And it's kind of catchy, so sing along if you can. And uh, hope you enjoy it. shadows fall and seasons change you are you are so good to me and how perfect are your ways how endless is your grace for Is your grace forever? 
Thank you, Patrick, and thank you, Ricky, for that special music today. And uh, what great singing this morning. I appreciate that. Uh, as I walked down and sat down, some of the students on the front row let me know, Brother Rockney, I was not listening when you said ladies only. <laughs> you noticed, too. <laughs> I figured you did. Yeah, yeah. they said, uh, you don't listen, do you, Brother Brad? And, uh, but this is why. This week, I saw where... Somebody, and I, and I agree with this 100%, I think you would too, that, you know, what the church sings says everything about what the church believes, but how the church sings it says what you personally believe about that. And so if we're singing out with all of our gusto, if we're giving it all that we have, it says, you know what, I believe that. And so that's why I sang then, because I believed everything we were saying. So there you go. This morning, turn with me to Matthew. Matthew 17, as we continue this journey through the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to be looking at the first eight verses together this morning, at Matthew 17. As you're turning there, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, there is joy in us coming together. Lord, there is just something special as a church family when we get to join together to lift up our voices to lift up our hearts, to spend time in prayer and to study your word. Uh, Lord, because we're family and we love one another, uh, but most importantly, we love you because you first loved us. And Lord, as we come together, there is a reason for us to have joy. There's a reason for us to have excitement because we serve a risen Savior. You are alive and you are on the throne and you reign. And so, Lord, this morning, I, I pray that you would speak to our hearts as we are able as Peter, James, and John were there on that mountain to see a small glimpse of who you truly are and who you are going to show yourself to be in fullness in the coming kingdom. And so, Lord, this morning I pray again for my friends, whether they be young or old, who don't yet have that relationship with you, but they're here with us this morning and they're listening. Uh, Lord, I pray that you might convict their hearts, Lord, of their lost condition, and Lord, today might be a day of salvation for them. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ this morning, Lord, that we would recognize that even in the midst of difficult seasons of life, that we can still find ourselves in a good place because you, we recognize that you are there. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning I wonder, where is your happy place? All of us have that place where we can just kind of say, oh, this is where I like to be. This is where I dream about being. Maybe, maybe a place you only get to go uh, a week or two or three or a month a year, but it's your happy place. Maybe it's sitting on the beach with the sound of the waves crashing onto the sand. Maybe it's in the Smoky Mountains sitting there on your balcony and the, hearing the, that babbling brook going by. 
Maybe it's uh, out in the woods. Maybe you enjoy hunting. Maybe you enjoy hiking with the sound of the birds singing and, and the rustling of the leaves as the breeze blows through. Or maybe, maybe for some of you, it is Disney World. And it's walking through those gates and that iconic music, and that is your happy place. But all of us have that place, that place that we love to be. And what could possibly be better than our personal happiest place on earth? Well, the answer is found here in chapter 17. Here the Lord Jesus gives his disciples a snapshot, a very short snapshot, but a snapshot of his coming kingdom now it's helpful in looking at chapter 17 it's helpful to understand what's happening in chapter 17 by going back and looking at chapter 16 there jesus has just told his disciples that he is on his way to the cross he's begin to under he's begin to try to help them to understand that he is going to the cross and at the cross he's going to die for the sins, not just their sins, but the, for the sins of the world. And he is rebuked by Peter, but he goes on to tell the disciples that not only will he die on the cross, but he's going to return one day in glory. And then Jesus makes a very strange statement, and that's sometimes what is misunderstood, is this statement that he makes in Matthew 16, 28. He tells the disciples that some of them, some of them, will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Some of them will not die until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So if you move with me now to chapter 17, look at those first three words. And after six days, Jesus takes Peter and James and John after six days days into a high mountain and there Jesus was transfigured in their very presence those three men were allowed to witness just a little bit of what we will all see a whole lot of in heaven they were given the honor that none of them were ever able to get over for the entirety of their lives you'll notice that the very first word in verse one is the word and this event ties the events of chapter 17 back to the, what's taking place back in chapter 16. And so what we see here is a small picture of the glory of Jesus, that what he will have as he comes and reigns in a glorious way in his coming kingdom. We get a small snapshot of that here in chapter 17. And I praise the Lord that I know who Jesus is. I praise the Lord that, that I have a personal relationship with him. I'm glad that I have no trouble at all believing in his virgin birth or in his atoning death or in his triumphant resurrection. And I'm also glad that I've been given the faith to believe in his soon coming return in the rapture of his church. But this morning, I'm not going to preach on the prophetic aspects of this passage as wonderful as they are. What I want to do is draw your attention to what Peter actually says in verse 4. Lord, it is good for us to be here. When Peter saw all that was happening around him, he didn't understand all that was happening. He, he, we, that's clear, and we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a minute. 
but he knew enough to know that he was in a good place. Robin and I have been blessed through our lives to have the opportunity to travel to many different parts of this great country, and I've had the opportunity to travel to many different parts of the world. And we have seen our variety of, of things. We've had a variety of different experiences. Some are okay, and some are definitely not okay. Um, and similarly, we have had valley times and mountaintop times and times that fall somewhere in between those two extremes um, throughout our lives. But this morning, I want you to recognize a good place in life when you see it. I want you to recognize when you're in a good place. I believe you can be in a good place many times and not even recognize it. You might be in a valley, but that valley might be a good place. You might be in a time of physical pain, emotional trouble, financial turmoil, uh, perhaps any 10,000 other kinds of trials, but you still might be in a good place. You might be in the middle of a good place this morning and not even know it. And so with that in mind, I want you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. We're going to look at chapter 17, these first eight verses together this morning. Matthew 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. It was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And then answered Peter, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and he touched them. And he said, Arise, be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. You may be seated. A good place. You know you're in a good place when, look at verses 1 and 2, when you can examine his glory. When you can examine his, his glory. We see a special people here, a special people. In verse 1 it tells us that Jesus only took three of his men with him. These three are Peter, James, and John. And apparently these men were what we oftentimes like to refer to as Jesus' inner circle. In fact, this is not the only time that this select group of three had the opportunity to be a part of, of special times of ministry. It was these three men that were with Jesus when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead there in Mark chapter 5. These three were also with Jesus when he went a little deeper into uh, Gethsemane to pray in Mark chapter 14. And while it's true that God has no respect of persons, it's also true that some people are closer to him than others. And let me explain what I mean by that. I, I don't mean that he loves some more than he loves others, because we know that that is not the case. 
it does mean that some are more responsive to his love than others. Remember, as I've told you many, many times, this morning you are as close to God in your relationship with him. You are as close to God as you want to be. You're just as close to God as you want to be. By the way, those who are open to all that God has for them are more likely to see him. They're, they're more likely to, for, for him to move in glory and power in their lives than those who tend to stay further back from him. I don't know about you, but I want to be like the Apostle John. I want to be so close to Jesus. I, I, I want to be like him. I want to be so close to Jesus that I can lay my head on his chest and I can feel the breath of God in my hair. I want to be so close to him that, that I, I can hear Jesus talk, clo- close enough to hear him speak and, and to hear the words that, he, that he's saying. Remember, it was John. John was the one who was close enough to Jesus to get in on some divine secrets because he made the effort to get close to Jesus. Listen to me this morning. You are as close to, to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning as you want to be. And so if you want to be closer, get closer. If you want to be closer, do more than just come on a Sunday morning. Do more than just sit in a pew. Get plugged into a Sunday school class. Get plugged into his word on a daily basis. Get plugged into praying on a daily basis. Get plugged into to preparing yourself to the place where when God whispers in a very still, small voice that you say, okay, that's a ministry that God's pointing me towards. That's a person that God is pointing me towards. That's a mission that God is pointing me towards. Get so close that you can hear him when he speaks in his still, small voice. You are just as close to him today as you want to be. And so... Why don't you stop hanging back? Stop, stop hanging back on the back pew. Stop hanging out just on Sunday morning and get close. Dive deep. Become part. You can be as close as you want to be today. But also notice a special place. We're told that these three men are on a mountaintop with Jesus. In verse 1, it is called a high mountain. Later, when Peter wrote about what he had seen and, and, and felt that day, he referred to it as a holy mountain. There in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. And for Peter, that high mount became a holy place. Even John refers to this event later in his life in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Peter wanted to settle down and he wanted to stay right there. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in, in verse 4. But after this event, these men came down. They came down off the mountain. They didn't stay on that mountain. They came down from that mountain with Jesus. And when they did, when they arrived... In the valley, they were hit square in the face with life, weren't they? They didn't stay on the mountaintop, and as they came down, they, they faced the pressures and the burdens of life. As soon as they got down into the valley, they had to deal with a demonic spirit, and they had to deal with paying their taxes. Now, that's life, isn't it? When you have a mountaintop experience, you got to come down, you got to deal with the devil, and you got to deal with taxes. I don't know which one of those is worse. But those, that's just life. And that's the way it is. We can't live on the mountaintop. And when we come down, we experience life as it really is. But notice also in Mark chapter 9, verse, verse 10, that we see that they carried the events of that mountaintop experience. They carried the events of, of, of seeing Jesus in all of his glory within their hearts. They took that experience with them, and, and it left them a changed people. 
And so here's the point. If you really know the Lord, there's going to be some mountaintop times with him in your life. There will be times when his presence is real and his glory is, is clear for you to see. And when you're in one of those times, enjoy them for all that they're worth. Because you will soon be back in the valley. You will soon be back into everyday life. But the experiences of the mountaintop can sustain us through many of those long and difficult valleys to remember what it was like to experience the glory of Jesus Christ, to experience him in a new and fresh way. Take that with you. But also we see a special presentation. A special presentation, the Bible tells us in verse 2 that Jesus was transfigured. And that word transfigured translates to metamorphosis. And if any of you have had just a basic biology course, you know what that word metamorphosis means. It's a compound word of meta, which means to change, and morpho, which means to form. Therefore, a metamorphosis is a change in form or a change in appearance. And so this term is most often used when we talk about the transformation of a caterpillar into a butterfly. And so that ugly caterpillar encloses itself within a cocoon and it goes into a time of metamorphosis. It goes in a worm, and it comes out a butterfly. It goes in crawling, it comes out flying. It goes in a thing that is ugly and despised, and it reappears as a thing that is wonderfully beautiful. And that's what happens for the Lord Jesus on that mountaintop that day. Because up until this moment, he had appeared to just be an ordinary Jewish man who did some pretty remarkable things, but was he really God in the flesh? That was the question they were asking. Who, who is this? Who are we dealing with here? Up until this mo moment, they, ha they had some questions. But Peter, James, and John, on that mountain, the glory was, was concealed inside of the human body. It burst forth, and there was no question. This is the very Son of God. There are no more questions about how great that Jesus truly is. This is what happened to the Lord on that mountaintop that day. And so this is not the first time that he had experienced a type of metamorphosis in, in his life, though. The first time was when he pl was placed within the womb of a virgin named Mary and was born into this world as he left the glory and the splendor of heaven to come and to spend life as a man. Uh, you, you, I hope you do recognize that Jesus existed before Bethlehem. You get that, right? That's a really big part of, of having an orthodox understanding of Christianity is that you understand that Jesus Christ is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that he is eternal. In fact, he, he never began and he will never end. He always has been and always will be. And so when he was born in Bethlehem, he merely concealed his heavenly fame within an earthly frame and on that mountaintop that day the glory on the inside was made visible on the outside and so Peter decided that seeing Jesus in, in his glory was a good thing recognizing how awesome that Jesus is was a good thing and every now and then as we have the opportunity to pass through this life we are we are privileged as well to catch just a small glimpse of the glory that is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, I've never seen the back of God like Moses was able to experience, and I've never heard him speak in an audible voice like Abraham 
or Jacob or Moses or Elijah or others did. And I've never seen uh, within the veil, in the Holy of Holies, I've never been enveloped in his glory cloud. But I have seen times in life when I was blessed to see heaven brush up next to earth. And and things get a little little bit foggy as, as we begin to say, wow, God, what are you doing here? This is something I haven't experienced in the past. There have been times when, when I've been allowed to experience God kind of pulling back that veil. And you just experience Jesus in a new and a fresh way. And he shows you something new about his word. He shows you something new about worship. He shows you something new in your prayer life. He shows you something new in a ministry you're a part of or, or in a mission. And you're like, wow, I had never seen anything like that before. God, I, I, I understand you in a new way now. When that happens, I know that I'm in a good place. And, and sometimes we refer to those as mountaintop experiences. And we want to stay there, recognizing we can't, but we'd love to stay there. Because that's an awesome experience. And so, you know that you're in a good place also. Look at verses 3 through 5. When you can exalt his greatness. Notice here that there's some heavenly visitors. Notice the heavenly visitors. We're told that when Jesus was transfigured, two famous Old Testament saints visited with him. And those two were Moses and Elijah. The appearance of these two men is miraculously uh, wonderful. It's a miracle that we, how did this take place? Well, it's just something God chose to do, to make a point here. Many lessons can be brought out of this, but I'm just going to point out a couple things. For instance, Moses had been dead for over 1,500 years when he, he, these events took place, when he shows up here on this mountaintop with Jesus. He is moving, though, here. He's talking here. He, he's recognizable here. This is Moses. So he's very much alive. This is not a dream. This is Moses in a physical form standing here with Jesus. So it serves to remind us that the redeemed who die do not go to the grave to await the resurrection. But they pass on to glory to be with the Lord. For the saint of God, for our loved ones who know Jesus Christ, who die with a relationship with him, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's not soul sleep. It is time with the Lord. And that's what we see here. Another thought here is Moses died on the mountain. He died in the embrace of God. God conducted his funeral. He carried him in his spirit home to glory. Moses represents those who are believers and who die in faith. Elijah, however, did not die. Elijah was carried off to heaven on a chariot of fire. And he represents those saints of God who will one day be gathered up in the rapture and taken to glory. So what were these two famous men doing when they met Jesus on that mountaintop? Luke chapter 9 verse 31 tells us that they were talking about something specific. They were talking with Jesus about his decease. They were discussing his upcoming death on the cross. Now, how would you like to have been there and have been a part of that conversation? Can you imagine Jesus in this conversation with Moses and Elijah, what they would be talking about? When they're talking about what's going to take place, about what Jesus had come to do, that Jesus hadn't just come to be a great teacher, he hadn't just come to be a great miracle worker, he, he hadn't come to just, you know, teach the law, 
But he had come for a purpose, and that was a singular purpose, and that purpose was to die. He had come, that, that little baby in a manger had come to die for the sin of the world. He had come to fulfill the law. He had come to fulfill all that the prophets had, had foretold. He came to do both of those things. And so the word deceased means exodus. So they were talking about the day when Jesus would make his exodus out of this human life, when it would be finished, totally completed. You see, Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. And so the law, every sacrifice that was prescribed, it all pointed ahead to Jesus, the perfect fulfillment of the law. And he did just that. He fulfilled the law. The prophets, which is Elijah, spoke of the one who was to come as the perfect sacrifice, as the redeemer. Jesus fulfilled everything prophesied about him. Down to the smallest detail, he fulfilled all of those prophecies. And so the bottom line here is that Moses and Elijah come to exalt the greatness of Jesus and to reveal to the disciples that he was who he claimed to be. But also we see the heavenly voice. And so when this happens, Peter and James and John are, are fast asleep. We're told that in, in Luke 9, 32. And when they woke up and saw what was going on, Peter, as usual, just had to say something. You ever met anybody like that? Is it you? It would be me. You see, Peter just had to say something. Mark 9, 6 says that they wits not to say. They didn't know what to say, but Peter said, that's not going to stop me. Even though I don't know what to say, I'm still going to open my mouth. Peter had the same problem that many of us do. Every time he opened his mouth, it was simply to change feet. And that's what happens here. He put his mouth in motion before he got his brain in gear. And so just for the record, there are times when it is better to shut up and say nothing at all. Because we don't have anything constructive to say. Just to say something for the sake of saying something is dangerous at best. And especially when we stop to remember that we will give an account for all of our idle words. There's a reason we have, what, two ears and one mouth. Do twice the listening. My wife reminds me of that many times. But we see that here. And so when Peter does speak, he wants to build three booths. He wants to build three lean-tos on this mountain. Now, he wants to build one for Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And on the surface, as, as a young person, probably even through seminary, I always thought, what's the big deal here? It seems on the surface that that is a perfectly good thing to do. I mean, yes, Peter's saying this is a wonderful place to be. This is a good place to be. Why don't we just build a place for you, Jesus, and a place for you, Moses, and a place for you, Elijah. Let's build your three great men. So let me build three lean-tos for each of you to honor each of you. So on the surface, it seems fine, but what I just said. When Peter's statement is thought about and when it's examined, it's clear that he is placing Jesus here on the exact same level as Moses and Elijah. He's saying, you're a great man. You're a great prophet. You're a great teacher of the law. He still doesn't yet quite get it. And so when this happens, a seventh person shows up on top of that mountain. When God hears his son being made co-equal with Moses and Elijah, God says, no, 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 no. 
God shows up and he reminds everyone on that mountain that Jesus is far greater than Moses and the law. That Jesus is far greater than Elijah or any of the prophets. In truth, he is the fulfillment of both and he alone is worthy of praise and glory and of worship. And so when Jesus came out of the private years of his baptism, God was heard to express his pleasure in Jesus after that baptism. This is my son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And here in the midst of his public ministry, as he has allowed his glory to be seen by Peter, James, and John, God again shows up and he declares his pleasure in his son. This is my beloved, this is my precious son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father is continually well pleased with his precious son. And you're in a good location in your life when you arrive at the place where nothing and no one but Jesus has your attention. You see, far too many people worship things that are not the Lord. Good things, many times, but they are lifting them up above Jesus himself. Far too many people are worshiping the Bible or the church or doctrine or their religion, whatever it may be. And so I wonder this morning, what has your worship? Is it anything? Is it anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ? Who or what are you exalting over Jesus If it is anything, anything at all, above Jesus, if it's anything, then make the changes that are needed to make him, number one, preeminent in your life. However, when you come to the place in your life where you find yourself worshiping Jesus and Jesus alone, when you find yourself glorifying him and lifting him up, when he is preeminent over all in your life, you have found yourself in a good place. This thing is all about him. It's all about his glory. God, help us to get so caught up in his glory that nothing else matters to us. But also, you know you're in a good place. When Look at verse 6, six through 8. You can experience his grace. Notice the grace of his peace. When these men heard the voice of God and recognized the scope of what was happening on this mountaintop, we see they did what always happens when God shows up. They fell on their faces before him. And Jesus, as is custom to him, he walks over and he touches them and he spoke peace to them and lifted them up. Brinesburg, you're in a good place in life when you can feel the master's touch. Whether he touches you through peace in the heart or whether you can hear the still small voice from time to time, it is a great day when you are a partaker of the grace and the peace of the Lord. Thank God for those times when his touch becomes so real to us it can drive away the icy fingers of fear and replace them with the warmth of his peace his touch can sever the suffocating vines of doubt that wrap themselves around the soul from time to time we know that his touch can can unlock the bars of worry and liberate the troubled soul and thank god for grace sufficient for me in every need of my life you know you're in a good place when jesus blesses you with grace for his priceless matchless incomprehensible peace but also we see the grace of his presence the grace of his presence when the disciples looked up everyone but Jesus was gone everyone but Jesus was gone Moses wasn't there Elijah wasn't there but Jesus was still there 
just as he had been before all of the excitement had started. For a short time, Jesus had, had kind of gotten lost in all of the excitement for Peter, James, and John. But now, he is again center stage. The light is on him once again for them. It's just Jesus. They had his presence, and after all they had seen, I'm sure that he was more precious to them than he had ever been before because they recognized just who it was that they had a relationship with. So as we move through the valley and over the mountains of life, there is one constant that we can always count on. Regardless of what else changes in life, Jesus Christ will never change. He will never leave us. He will always be there. And thank God for the times in life when Jesus has manifested his presence in, in your life and in mine. When, when he has shown up in such a real way like he did with Peter, James, and John here. You know you're in a good place when Jesus comes by and lets you experience the grace of his presence. And since that is true, we must be careful about getting caught up and in, in trying to, to keep the law. And thinking that this is a religion instead of a relationship. We must be careful about getting lost in, in the future events of prophecy and saying, hey, let's dig deeper into Revelation just because I want to I argue over the details. Or when we need you know, to, to be very careful that Jesus doesn't become just another part of our lives of, okay, well, I need to pray and I need to go to work and I need to... No, he's preeminent above those things. And he must be lifted up in that way. We must stay in a place where we can sense his presence and where he is centerpiece of our life. So this morning, again, who or what has first place in your life? Who has the greatest attention of your life? Is it anyone other than Jesus? Is it anything other than Jesus? Peter missed a few things along the way, but he got one thing absolutely right. They were in a good place. Are you in that good place today? Here's how you can tell. You're in a good place where you can examine his glory. You're in a good place where you can exalt his greatness. You're in a good place where you can experience his grace. And if the answer to each of those questions is yes, that's the place I'm in, regardless of what may be going on in that place, these are things that are going on, then you're in a good place. But if you're missing out on even one of those great blessings, this morning I challenge you to get yourself to Jesus this morning, to get the help you need to get to a place that you can say, I am in a good place today. So where does God find you this morning? Some of us this morning, I know, because I, I have a relationship with you, I know, that some of you this morning are lost. Some of you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. And so you're not in a good place. But I want you to understand this morning that Jesus is here. He has shown up and he's ready for you to begin a relationship with him. And right now, he is speaking into your heart. Don't deny him. Say yes to him today. It may be that you're out of God's will, and if that's so, I want you to know just like the prodigal son, you can run back in God's embrace. His arms are wide open, and he's ready to hold you close. Come back today. If there are burdens, I want you to recognize this morning that they can be lifted. If there are needs, I want you to recognize that they can be met. The solution to all the issues that lie in your life today the answer to it all is getting to him experiencing his presence if he's calling you this morning come find the place that you've been looking for 
It is found in him. The good place to be is in the presence of Jesus. Lord, Heavenly Father, this morning I pray for my friends that don't yet have a relationship with you. Lord, I pray here in a moment that as you begin to speak to their hearts, as you've been doing throughout this, this time of worship and this message, Lord, I pray that they would stop playing games and they'd say, what am I doing? What am I, why am I putting this off? And they would just say yes to you. Come and ask the questions that need to be asked, but Lord, they get it settled today. Lord, for some, it's, they need to become a part of this church family. They, they need to join this, this, this family of believers. And Lord, I pray that that would take place today. Lord, for some, they need to come to this altar. And they need to spend some time in prayer. But whatever the needs may be, Lord, I pray that we would be obedient. That we would find ourselves in a good place. Because we would find ourselves in you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand and as we sing, would you respond to him?